4: And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: This Saturday, it's Plymouth at home. This is it. Don't get scared now. This is the Blue Monday podcast. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Discussing Ipswich Town up or down since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward, and this is the pre-match show brought to you in partnership with our friends at the Graham Pub in Ipswich. We're available every week on YouTube video and podcast audio. And joining me is he apprehensive? Is he optimistic? We will find out. Seb Brown, how you doing, mate? I'm all right. I'm, I'm good, thank you. It's been a while, hasn't it?
5: I think the last one we did was Wickham, was it? Ooh. feels like ages ago now, doesn't it? Sort of three, four weeks ago. So it's been a while. Good to see you again. And um, yeah, we'll come on to my, my mood as we go through the camp. But I, suffice to say, I am I am excited. It this time is. tomorrow, I'll be nearly back. I'll probably be on the new bit of the A14 at Cambridge about this time. Closing in on my Suffolk return. And yeah, big game feel. It is one for you. What do you think this is the biggest game since?
3: Oh, wow. Um, probably... It's the biggest year. game in
5: League One, isn't it? We have to accept that, don't yeah. we? Since, oh, 100%. since we came down. yeah.
3: Okay. I mean, in terms of one where it's a positive game, it will be the biggest game since fourteen, fifteen, probably, isn't it? And Norwich, then, yeah, yeah, and and then um, eighteen, nineteen. It's it's a game to keep us keep us in the relegation dogfight, which is frankly worth not worth remembering at all. So yeah, big game, yeah, and there's a good excitement and and the thing as well, like obviously the 14 15 season we alluded to it there we've we've long spoken on this podcast about the inability to strengthen and bring in quality in that transfer window that held us back yeah We'll talk more about um Nathan Broadhead on the flagship show because we've got a bumper pod for you guys today. So we'll we'll park that and come back to him and maybe it'll be great to talk about him making a, a telling contribution on Saturday as well, wouldn't it? Eh? but we've got two um two guests. And um, first up is Charlie from um fans supporting food banks, um new initiative for ITFC fans to get involved. And they've got um they they're in for the fan zone on Saturday. So Charlie's gonna tell us all about that. And we thought we'd get our mate Gab Sutton to cast his eye over the league one situation uh, we do we look back at our pre-season predictions a bit of a mixed bag but I think now that Gab's not here Seb we can both say that we our picks are marginally better in comparison to where the teams are actually in the league right now than than Gab did but it, good to get a neutral perspective on the new signings and also the state of playing league one so um, let's hand over to me talking to Charlie right now and we'll be back to talk about Plymouth in a bit uh, welcome to the pod, Charlie from Fan Supporting Food Banks, um, new initiative, new fan-led initiative, um, and here to tell us all about it. Charlie, how are you?
0: Hello, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, really grateful for all the work that Blue Monday has been doing and helping us so far. Um so yeah, it's great, to, great to talk here. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, doing very good. well.
3: Good, good stuff. And. Yeah, tell us about fans supporting food banks.
0: So, fans supporting food banks. It originated in Liverpool, and it was a coalition or a, a, a partnership between the, the Blue Union in Everton and the Spirit Shankly in Liverpool FC. And the idea is our our group or our national campaign's hashtag is "Hunger Doesn't Wear Club Colours. And the idea part, uh, part. The idea behind that is that we're the sixth six richest nation on, in 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 the world. 14.3 million people in this country are living in poverty and 3.9 million of them are children and poverty inequality and hunger it doesn't discriminate depending on the football club you support so the idea is that we're we're all suffering we're all facing this we all experience it to some extent uh, and we put those put our football rivalry differences aside we come together to help the community because we all know that football clubs and the fan bases are, are such an integral part of the town or city they they, they they they're in so yeah we harness that and galvanize the fans uh, around a force for good and and um showing that football fans you know gone are the days when football fans are classed as hooligans and etc and we we can do stuff for the community and we can do good work
3: yeah the power of football is yeah is, is a strong one isn't it and 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 yeah i mean as we kind of alluded to it's not it's not a great situation that society finds it's in that, that we need this kind of situation. But nevertheless, great that football supporters can get involved and try and support the local community. How, how does it work and, and how will it work um, specifically here in Ipswich?
0: So in Ipswich, um, specifically what we're starting off is we're doing, we're looking at doing monthly food bank donations or collections on match days. And um, you'll be able to find us on the, on, on the fan zone this Saturday at the Plymouth Argyle game. Um and there we'll be there collecting food, etc., having a chat um, and and trying, you know, we want to build this group because like we, I said, we're doing it, we're starting it monthly, but we want to, the idea will be get as many games a month as possible because hunger doesn't, can't wait a month sometimes, you know. Um, so as the group goes and, you know, I'd encourage anybody who's interested in getting involved in any way they can to drop me a message or drop, drop the uh, Twitter page or Facebook page, a message or the email, which is itfc.fsf at gmail.com.
3: You mentioned fan Zone. We've got the, the details there. You guys are there from midday onwards and um, there right until 50 minutes before kickoff. So for those listening who are keen to bring some stuff along, um, what kind of stuff? I've got the kind of graphic here, but for those listening on the podcast, um, just describe the kind of stuff that you guys are after donations for on Saturday.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, like you said, it's the uh, image on the screen, but it's it's general food bank long life um, items which are after. So it would be milk, uh, it could be UHT or dried, tinned tomatoes, tinned meat or fish, instant mashed potatoes, tinned fruit or vegetables, some jams, um, cereals. The find has specifically asked for sort of Weetabix or these small variety packs that you can get, um, as well as that, obviously. Toiletries, warm clothes, uh, long grain rice, and ready meals—so easy, long life stuff. That you know, we don't want you guys, uh, fans, to break the bank. Of course, finding donations. So whatever you can donate, please feel free. We'll be in the fan zone. We should be, from my understanding, we should be just inside the the front gate of the fan zone. So you can come up, drop drop some food off, have a chat, and then
3: go and enjoy your pre match pint. Good stuff. Uh, we, we I need to talk to talk to you about football as well. I can't get you on and, and let you escape without giving us a prediction. What's your thoughts for Saturday?
0: It's going to be difficult. They're not going to make it easy for us, but I'll go up a nice 2-1. But that's what my head says. My heart is saying a nice 3-0
3: wow there you go wow confidence you got you
0: got you got you got, you got, you got that's, that's what big, we want big, let's big, start big, the big,
3: new year in, in style exactly big, right um charlie great to see what you're doing and and hopefully plenty of support coming your way um either in the terms of people's time or food donations starting with plymouth this, this weekend and um all the best to you guys and um and thanks for being on
0: no thanks so much for your support and uh look forward to working with you and uh,
1: meeting everyone on saturday
3: well welcome back to the podcast gab sutton gab how are you happy new year
1: Oh, happy new year, Rich. Great to be back on and looking forward to getting stuck in.
3: Yeah, well, we we are going to have a look back at our predictions from the summer and and there's a mixed bag in there, if we're honest. You know, it's always it's always a bit of a difficult art to get that right. Um, But January transfer window season. Is this kind of time of year exciting for you, Gab? Content the law, surely.
1: A little bit, yeah. I, I, I do mind. I do quite like the, um, the sort of thinking of you know different clubs of sign different players and you, you trying to sort of do a bit of, a bit of due diligence on certain new names that are coming in, especially from the loan market, whilst also making sure you do the bread and butter of the sort of game week stuff. So quite busy, a, a lot to get on with, but um, uh, yeah, it's always a fun, fun time of year.
3: Um, this, this is what we all predicted. <sighs> going into the season and uh, I guess probably, Gab, we need to... We'll start with you. We'll get this out of the way. I mean, MK Dons has well, been... A, have a mystery, Matt. I'll put you out. I mean, but I, I went big on MK as well. Only Seb had the outside the playoffs. So I had the... Oh, you did
1: well, Seb, there. Yeah. I, I don't think many people had the out outside the playoffs, so... That's, that's yeah.
3: Can you remind us of your logic there, Seb? Just I remember mind. discussing
1: it
5: with you guys and my logic was, I kept comparing it to Ipswich in 2005, 2006 for the older listeners, where we lost all those goals from the side. We lost Bent Coochie and Miller and when I saw them lose Scott Twine Troy Parrott I I couldn't see where the goals were going to come from now I think we debated because the window was still open wasn't it and we were saying they've got 5 million quid they've got an absolutely superb director of football they will go out and make decent signings but I I just took a a chance given the squad as it was on the day we recorded I I just couldn't see where the goals were going to come from don't get me wrong as with my position of 7th I did not expect them to be where they are uh, in the league but I I just couldn't see the firepower on show to get them to that top six
3: yeah i think gab we were both expecting some of that twine money to be spent but i I guess that's that's the issue and and we need to remember that darling has scored was it eight goals from defense and maybe set pieces Mm. and so on but i remember we played them pretty early in the season and they just looked a shadow of the team last season obviously liam manning subsequently has has lost Mm. his job what's your what's your take on the mk situation now gab
1: yeah um i think um Sort of maybe retrospectively, I think I put so much faith, so much stock in how much faith I had in uh, Liam Sweeting, and even if uh, maybe looking back, there could have been sort of question marks over one or two of the signings. Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, you, you'd maybe think, you know, were these as good as signings as maybe I thought they were at the time? Um, I think, obviously, the point said made is, is a really big one in terms of the big hitters they lost. Obviously, Harry Darling along with Scott Twyne. I think they were two main ones. I've mentioned uh, Troy Parrott as well. Um, but I think they've they've probably fallen short in midfield a little bit. They've lost uh, David Kasumu as well, who was such a key player for them last season so um, a lot of absentees I thought that the structure and the system in place would kind of hold them through that uh, and and actually they'd get better because of the improved depth and you know maybe not relying so much on individuals but it's actually gone completely the other way so I have to hold my hands up on that one.
3: Recently promoted team as in last season Cambridge, Gab you were I guess a big fan of Mark Bonner um, mm. and it's, it's a weird situation that's gone on at Cambridge isn't it?
1: Where well, it's very funny at Cambridge because um I think I had them finishing twenty fourth last season and they finished mid table and then this was the year where I finally sold on Cambridge United uh, being sort of you know that th- th- they'll be fine and now they're having a relegation struggle so uh, I always seem to have the um the uh, the wrong um the, the wrong stance on Cambridge but um yeah i th- i think we kind of talked about in the summer that the fact that they'd retained um so much of last season's squad being a possible strength in terms of the intangibles uh, maybe it's gone a, 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 the other way a little bit. Maybe they needed to freshen things up a little bit more. They've had a few injuries as well, which uh, which doesn't help, especially when you you have quite a small squad as Cambridge do. So, um, yeah, it's been a tr- tricky season for them, but hopefully Matt Bonner can, uh, can find the
3: solutions. It's kind of one of those ones, and I'm trying to think of an example where we've had it before where a manager probably um, quite early in their managerial journey gets an opportunity to get a job at a bigger club and I guess it's rare that they off they turn it down, but it does feel like Seb. As soon as Mark Bonner turned down Rotherham, the results went on the slide, didn't they? Uh, is there anything that we read into that?
5: I'm not sure. Yeah, like you say, it's 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 strange for a, you know an up and coming manager to get an opportunity and turn it down. Rotherham are a pretty stable club, aren't they? You, know, you can understand if it was maybe a Robert, Rob Edwards goes to Watford and lose is his job fairly quickly at that, you know, that kind of level. But Rotherham are, a, you know, a, a stable club. I think if he'd had gone there and, and got relegated, they wouldn't have fired me. And Ben discussed Rotherham last week on the preview show. And the one thing you get from them is kind of stability and good ownership. You know, so I was surprised he, he turned them down. But like you say, since he did, things seem to have gone very, very wrong. I thought they would struggle this year because I kind of applied my second season striker logic rule that I applied to Cole Stockton at, at, at Morecambe. For me, strikers will do really well in year one, tend to struggle a little bit in year two. So I. I Again, a bit similar to MK. I couldn't really see where the goals were going to come from because I couldn't see Ironside and um, uh, and Smith uh, performing like they did last season. But on a side note, delighted for Jack Lancaster. You know, he signed a new a new deal this week, I think it was, for 2025. So really happy he's doing well. and Hopefully he'll have a good second half of the season and, and fire them to safety.
3: Yeah, big game coming up against Cambridge in a few weeks' time, haven't we? Anyone want to pick out any of their predictions before we start focusing in the top well, seven? Well,
1: seeing as, seeing as you've, uh, from the beginning, pointed out, my mk don's uh, prediction i'd like to say that i had uh, plymouth argyle um finishing in the top two yeah and okay. at the moment that's looking not bad i mean if it's the current top three that says that it is in some order then i've got two of the top three which i'll be you know reasonably happy about but argyle what a job stephen chumak has done there by the way um and they've obviously done very well at the loan market with um finna zaz Bradley mumba morgan Whitaker, possibly might you know uh, They've lost uh, lost Whitaker, could lose uh, So, but they've brought in a lot of players this January, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going. But it's going to take a lot of points to get uh, automatic promotion this season. I think the points per game projection is uh, 96, so I think we're going to see an excellent team miss out.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean it was similar to to last season in respect of the top six. You know, there were a few teams with eighty points who missed out. I think Oxford, Oxford, one of them. I think possibly it's yeah. it's going to be it's a, League One's a strange division, isn't it? I mean, very quickly, guys, are we expecting the automatics to be a three horse race, or is someone going to make a dash for it? Who wants to go first? I'll go. To Seb, go I, I think it's. Oh, go Sorry.
1: I, well, my answer is quite short. I think it's going to be a three-horse race. Okay. I do as well now because of
4: Barnsley
5: losing against. Bon- Barnsley were an amazing run of form, weren't they? Didn't they win seven six or seven on the bounce? I think it was, and they were closing that gap a little bit. But I think now with the the signings, the top three are making so far this this window. I think we will we will pull away even further, and it'll be a, a shoot up between those top three.
1: But I, I think Barnsley are having a great season. I rate mm. Michael Duff as a manager incredibly highly, um, but I will think that um that they're very much a strong solid top six side but I think in terms of the depth, I think Argyle Wednesday and um, Ipswich have possibly got a little bit more Um, and I would struggle to see Barnsley I think if they get one or two injuries to key players I think that would set them back a bit more than it would for some of the top three so that's why I'd probably see Barnsley finishing comfortably in the playoffs but not possibly not challenging for the Autos
3: um, Seb was the only one who thought that Derby might have a shot. I think both you and I had the mid-table gap. Uh, I mean, Paul Warren is an expert at this level, isn't he? Is, is Dar? Derby have an outside bet, or is it? Is it just the results are a little bit too inconsistent, aren't they?
5: I think they're inconsistent. I think their playoffs at best. Obviously, when we recorded this, Resignia was still there, wasn't he? It wasn't Warren in charge at the time. Yeah. I just had a feeling they were going to gate crash the playoffs because they're quite. I see them as quite a, what I call a jammy kind of club. You know, when they need to pull a result, they will do it as history's kind of shown us down the years. So I thought they would gate crash the playoffs, but now they've got Paul Warren and pretty much all of Rotherham's coaching staff, and <laughs> you know he gets a World Cup break for four weeks to, try to implement his methods on the training ground. I, I think they'll go from strength to strength in the second half of the season. I don't think they'll challenge the Autos, but I think they'll be nailed on for the playoffs. I I put them for six, but I, I think they might finish a bit higher than that
3: now. Okay. I had Schiffer Wednesday winning the league. Um both of you had them where's oh you Gab didn't even no, out. I them had them players. seven, actually, because oh,
1: wow. I, I was actually a little bit uh, skeptical of uh, of Darren Moore. Mm. Um and um yeah, I wasn't quite sure. I thought they might be a bit short of pace in certain areas. Obviously got some incredible players in midfield like Barry Bannon and uh, George Byers, but and um, that was probably possibly a couple of areas I, I felt like I wasn't convinced by Moore and I wasn't quite sure about you know that that the, the, the pace element in their squad but to be fair Moore's kind of close to converting me a little bit this season so uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be so interesting to see who finishes in the top two because uh, I think I I, I I um yeah I think a, a fantastic team's going to miss out and you know you could get 90 points this season that might
3: not be enough it's don't say these things, Gav. Don't You say, say it's these exciting
5: things. for an outsider, I can assure you. As we're going into <laughs> April, if we're all on sort of 80 points going into the final month of the season, it won't be exciting for us. It will be incredibly nerve-wracking.
3: Well, squeaky yeah. one time. I mean, you, yeah. I think you uh, you echo some of Gav's sentiments about Darren Moore's credentials. I mean, uh, being harsh, if you were to compare the three teams, who, who would you want in the dugout? I think you'd want McKenna, then Schumacher, then Moore, wouldn't you, if we were to rank them? Is that... Yeah, I gosh. don't
1: care in the can kind of myself.
3: Yeah, you know. except.
1: I'd
5: agree with that. But the crazy thing is, you know, Moore's form over is it the, the last twelve months or the calendar year of twenty twenty two? It's something like ninety something points. You know, they are incredibly consistent. Like like Gab, I had my doubts in the summer because I kind of thought there's a lot of pressure on him because, you know, Chanziri will be expecting promotion with the the kind of backing he's given him this year. And I kind of thought one or two dodgy results, the crowd might turn. I was at, at Hillsborough for the two all draw and the crowd were getting right on the kind of the players' backs and the referees' backs and made it into a bit of a cauldron and you kind of think, okay, he's, they're not gonna put up with too much. To too much like that, but but you know across the across the year or whatever, he's, he's delivered an amazing set of results. So I guess he now has to be all those kind of question marks for me about him. Have like Gab says, I'm I'm kind of converted. They've been blown away a little bit by the uh, by the superb performance he's been putting in for the last year.
3: Of all of the teams in the top three, we're the one who hasn't gone on a run of late. I think mm-hmm. players coming. We've had um, illness in in the camp, to borrow a cliche, that's kind of the thing that I would say, illness in the camp, everyone's everyone's back on the grass now, Gab, to borrow a Sevism as well um, so I think we've got a fit squad and then the three additions that we've talked about which could be supplemented even further I kind of feel if if we get a result if we get a positive result against Plimpton at the weekend, I think that sets us up really well to go on a run, which I don't think we've done for a while, so it feels like it's a massive game for that reason, but talk yeah. to us about from your external perspective, the, the, I guess what the rest of the league would be thinking when Ipswich bring in George Hurst, Nathan Broadhead, and, and I guess even to an extent Massimo Luongo is a player that would get most League One sides. It's It's pretty daunting from the outside, isn't it, to see a team like Ipswich strengthen like that?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm intrigued to see uh, the impact Luongo can have because it's, it's an odd sort of signing, I suppose, in in a way, because on the one hand, you're sort of pro- pretty much back up if you're a midfielder coming into Ipswich, you're back up to um, Sam and Lee Evans, uh, and there's possibly, in next season, you're looking at Kamara coming back fit. Um, you've obviously got the young lad whose name... Humphreys, there we go. Uh who's uh, yeah, He's obviously showing a lot of talent. I think there's another midfield coming back from injury next season as well. A ball, possibly, On balls, yeah. yeah. On ball, yeah. So it's like it's a bit of a there's a short term necessity for it for backup to Morsi and Evans, but also you you know, the situation might look very different next season. So it was a bit of an awkward signing uh, to sort of make. Um Luongo's obviously um satisfied McKenna that he's um fit enough in trial, so it's not been signed cold but there's still a lot to prove in terms of the match practice element so we'll have to see where he's up to there but certainly in terms of quality he's uh, he's championship level uh proved that over a number of years at qpr and then george Hurst is one i really like because i think uh, although he's six foot three i think he's the type of striker that you want uh getting good quality service to him he got that at portsmouth because they had a goalkeeper called gavin bizuno who was able to play him in play into him with a lot of accuracy um I think uh, at other places, he's been at Rotherham, at uh, Blackburn. He's maybe not had that sort of level of service, but I think if it's which can get the ball to his chest or to his feet, he's then got that ability to play those little flick-ons and, and bring other players into the game. Uh, and then Nathan Broadhead, he's five foot ten, but he's also got a really good spring on him and uh, very lively forward as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what sort of impact these additions can make. But Hurst is a signing I'm, I'm big on.
3: Good stuff. There's, there's two bits that I'll will one for both of you and then one just for Gab before we leave. Um going back to our predictions here, I guess referring to the league table on the right hand side, um, based on the current positions, um, which is a team that's gonna have the biggest um either an upward or downward move compared to everyone else? Who's gonna move the most from where they are right now? Oh, what a great question.
1: Do you want to go first on
3: this, Seb? Should <laughs> I, I so think, put it back up?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I, it's
5: not a milli. It's not going to you know jump up halfway at the table. But I think Peterborough might well end up gate crashing
1: the playoffs. Personally, I mean they need to find some form from somewhere, don't they? Um, yeah, I think Portsmouth, if they find the right manager, could uh, could put a run together. I certainly think they'll finish higher than thirteenth. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where, where I'd go to at the moment. Um, I've not seen enough from MK to suggest they're going to shoot up the table, even to mid-table. They've been very disappointing, so I think this is going to be a really good match for them. So I think I'd go for Portsmouth.
3: I think Fleetwood will um, be uh, top, top half. Ooh, okay. F-Fle- Fleetwood might get eighth or ninth. I just I think there's something about them at the moment. And we had them at Portman Road. They were very obstinate, very difficult to beat. And obviously, Uh, yeah, I saw them at
1: Burton, actually, back in October. And they really impressed me with their sort of high energy game. And uh, Scott Brown seems like quite a proactive coach. So I I like that shout. I actually had them in the top half before the season and not too far away. You know, it would have been quite an unpopular shout at the time, but not, not too far off.
3: And um, reminding you that you're on an Ipswich Town podcast, Gab, uh, care to give us your prediction for Ipswich Plymouth on the weekend?
1: Um, oh, it's is it at Portman Road or? It's at Portman Road. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a two 0 Ipswich.
3: There you go I, I think we need to end it there don't we seb let's get out with the we'll, we'll take that prediction gab um uh, where can we find you on twitter and, and anywhere else where, you, where where's your content at um tell us where. We yeah
1: can so um i have a show first of all called EFL debate where i speak to various different people uh, across the efl i've even had you two on it, uh, at different points so uh always worth to watch that uh hashtag efl debates talk to fans uh managers uh, owners, sometimes you you name it really. So, a lot of fun with that. So, follow the hashtag EFL debate. I also have lots of talking points on Twitter across the EFL um, at Gab Sutton. So, you can follow the hashtag EFL debate and follow me on Twitter at Gab Sutton.
3: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first.
2: ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.
5: Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely.
4: Order now on the McDonald's app. at participating restaurant's 18 plus serving times. delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
3: There you go, Seb. So that's a nice distraction from, well, it wasn't a distraction because we were talking about Plymouth, weren't we? (laughs) Let's get onto it, shall we? Um, Let's build this excitement because, um, yeah, I mean, Plymouth are continuing to defy expectations from, I guess, everywhere else apart from down in Plymouth, right?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Good on them. I say, you know, I I really like, like like we spoke about with Gab, I like the stuff they're doing off the pitch. I, I like them as a club. I like the manager. I like the way they play football. I think their recruitment strategy, okay, they're relying on some loans, which we'll come on to, but they kind of have one eye on the future with their recruitment, which I always think is a sign of a well-run, successful club. So if there's any justice, the three clubs that go up this season will obviously be us, Plymouth and, and Sheffield Wednesday. Football tends to be a cruel game, so it might not work out that way. But Fair play to them because it would have been really easy for them to fall away after last season, but they've just kind of, you know, strengthened, gone again, and we've been saying it now for two, three months that they were the side we expected might drop off, and it should be us on Wednesday pulling away at the top of the league given our greater financial resources, but it hasn't happened, and and for that they should be applauded, I think.
3: Yeah, well. I- We'll come uh, maybe a question to keep in the back of your mind, and we'll come back to it. Is this a good time to be playing Plymouth? Um, And and we'll we'll kind of drill into how how, what that means in respect of recruitment and players in and out. Obviously, we know the main one, Morgan Whitaker. Um, But uh, yeah, I I wonder whether there's a sense of a team still a little bit of gelling that's needed for new new players. But also, last time out, a bit of a in the league, certainly a little bit of a, a difficult trip to bomb, wasn't it? So. Let's remind everyone where Plymouth find themselves going into Fafo's game. I mean, top of the tree.
5: Yeah, top of the league on course for a 101-point season. They've currently got 57 points tracking for 101, which is absolutely crazy, isn't it? Played 26 games, won 17, drawn six, only lost three, lost one at home park and two away from home all season. Scored 46 goals and they've conceded 26. Their recent form is pretty good. Four wins and a draw in the last five games. It was four on the bounce before the draw, the nil-nil draw away last week at, uh, at Bolton while we were in FA Cup action. Their away form is decent, away from home park. Obviously, they're mainly up there because of this incredible kind of run they had a, a home park where they were winning everything every single week, but their away form is pretty decent as well. Twenty one points from the thirteen games played, uh, and one win and four draws in their last five away uh, last uh, five away games. Um, so yeah, they are imperious. They have opened up a gap over us through a, you know a combination of us dropping points at Lincoln and our FA Cup weekend. So they come here, I think, for this game. The pressure is all on us, don't you? Do you agree with that? I mean, if they come here, they're not probably really expected to win. If they do win. They go ten points clear of us. I think yeah. the pressure for this one is is all on us. Do you agree with that?
3: Yeah, and I think I think a draw is good enough for them, isn't it? Obviously. Oh yeah, they would.
5: If you, I think if you're from a draw now, to quote Mick, they wouldn't even bother getting on the bus. They would. They'd be perfectly happy with that.
3: I think. I think, and to that point, I, I think. I don't know whether Plymouth are a team that can play for a draw. Obviously, of we'll talk about the the respective away forms of the top three because they haven't got as many points on the road as we have or Sheffield Wednesday have. And as you mentioned from the last five away games, a large amount of those have been draws. I don't know whether that's... a. I assume it's not a deliberate thing. Um, and maybe there's some stuff we can find in the stats that maybe explain why they are dropping points away from home. But at this point, as you say, having the points on the board if they found a way just to eke out away points and win at home which is how you get two points per game then then it's going to be tough for us isn't it it might be that it's a different type of game than we expect perhaps we expect possession versus possession but maybe Plymouth have got a system which is contained maybe get the goal there's the the sneaky low XG goal and then sit in but um, yeah I, I totally agree it's for us to um to take the game to them we need to be seeking to yeah try and get the win here because I think they'll be very happy with the point, won't they? Absolutely, um, I
5: mean, yeah. I know we've got this game in hand, but like you just said, to have the points on the board is what you want at this stage of the season, isn't it? And um, and, and yeah, they've, they've managed to pull away a little bit over the Christmas period and it's up to us to take this game to them and it's up to us to get those three points, close that gap, hopefully win our game in hand and then it's back down to, to one point, it would be then, wouldn't it, if we, if we beat them on Saturday.
3: And worth noting that this this form isn't a flash in the pan. Um, A a frustrating, uh, I guess, a disappointing season for them last season. Um, You could say with finishing on eighty points and still not getting playoffs. Crazy, they've they've, they've rebuilt, haven't they? Regrouped and yeah. So uh, I guess maybe harnessing that disappointment and making sure it doesn't happen again, perhaps.
5: Yeah, and I guess continuity is important. You know, Schumacher takes over halfway through last season, and they finished on, like you said, 80 points, missed out on the playoffs by three points, didn't they? Get absolutely battered on the last day of the season by okay I think. Yeah, they got battered, didn't they, in the last game? So you know, I guess Schumacher said them go away over the summer. I want to use this next season to really kind of, you know, remember this feeling. We don't want to be here again. And all summer the talk of, you know, was Sheffield Wednesday, was us, was was Portsmouth, you know, Barnsley coming down, Derby coming down, an awful lot of big clubs in this division. And you and me, as we just spoke about with gab a few minutes ago we kind of took them for the playoffs but i don't think hand on heart either of us would have said you know top of the league in the middle of january tracking for 101 point season so fair play to them yeah they've gone away made some really sensible recruitment last summer kept obviously you know Schumacher's has done a great job for the second half of last season so he's also been given the uh, the confidence from the board of a new deal to continue his great work there and yeah like i said earlier it's it's it's, it's fully fully deserved to to pull that disappointment behind them and go again is really really impressive i think
3: Um, let's do some revision on on matches be that matches against us and their most recent games as well i mean in terms of omens seb um we were defeated obviously at home park um we'll talk about the goals around that because that sets the tone doesn't it for their start of play 2-1 earlier in the season live on sky which is the same result at home park last season so in terms of omens we'd be wanting a repeat of our home performance from last season wouldn't we
5: yeah, we lose 2-1 down there in September, October time, I think it was. We actually went 1-0 up, didn't we? Edmondson scored from a say, set yeah. piece. And then I think Matt Penny had a bit of a nightmare that day and they won it 2-1. But the game in in March, I remember doing the preview show with you and they were on an amazing run of form. I think they'd won six on the bounce, hadn't conceded a goal for, for the six games or something. They won an incredible run of form coming to Portland Road. But... I thought we nullified and neutralized them quite well that day. Morsey gets the goal. Great work from Norwood, I remember, by the byline to be strong and hold off his man and turn him and kind of lay it on a plate to the penalty spot where Morsey's arriving to to send the ball home. And, and, and that gives me some some kind of, you know, some some crumbs of comfort we often talk about on this, on this show for tomorrow because they were on an amazing run last season. We made them look pretty ordinary that day last March. And, well, yeah, we'd all obviously settle for a, a repeat of that straight away right now. But it was a, uh, yeah, it was two kind of evenly matched games last season. And then this season obviously same time of year september october time i no, sure october time we lose to them down at home park again we go 1-0 out it was ladapo this time with that kind of cross shot that deflects ends up going in the, the one deflection that could take it over the keeper and then two goals from them from outside the area we'll discuss their shooting from outside the area and their xg but Ballymumber and morgan whittaker strike and we lose that game we're unlucky because walton hits the bard in the last minute i think cooper gets a fingertips to it to keep it out so um so yeah the points have been pretty even over the last couple of meetings between us all
3: and in terms of last time out in general, involved in the Pizza Cup, weren't they midweek? But for those people expecting or hoping that there were first teamers in action, yeah. they really weren't. There were minutes from for Wayne and Matete to their new signings, but it's probably the Bolton game that's the most important. So tell us about that
5: yeah so they they, they won in midweeks so they threw to the semi-finals of the pizza cup they got them and Cheltenham are the two southern representatives I think it is but it was the league game against Bolton last weekend when we were playing Rotherham as a nil-nil draw at the Reebok or whatever it's called these days and they were a bit second best to be honest uh, 41% possession Bolton had 59% seven shots to Bolton's 15 no big chances they had one off the line um, but Bolton hit the woodwork and then quite fortunate and crucial for us they had Joe Edwards sent off quite late on for a second bookable offence So he won't be featuring tomorrow he's their captain He's kind of been playing the right wing back slash right winger kind of role for them and he won't be uh, featuring. So I guess normally a a point away at Bolt is probably a good point, but I think the overall consensus is they were a bit lucky then and the the, the sending off Edwards has come at a bad time for them.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of what I mean about playing them at the right time because it did feel like that. I mean... Reading the the opinions of Bolton fans and Plymouth fans, they both probably thought they could sneak it, but the fact is the stats kind of tell the story there, don't they? And yeah. as does as just dropping more points from a draw, so um, that's kind of yeah the thought there. Let's look, we've talked about Stephen Schumacher very briefly. Do you want to just give us some details, some stats behind behind his spell and charge at Plymouth?
5: Yeah, so he was the assistant manager to Ryan Lowe, wasn't he? Ryan Lowe moves on to Preston uh, last December, I think it was, and Schumacher takes over the second half of last season. Managed sixty-one games, won thirty-six, drawn eleven, lost fourteen. One point nine five points per game over a calendar year, which is well, like we've just said, you know, they, they haven't gone away anywhere, and and that shows exactly why, you know, that is a superb run of form over a prolonged period. It was a continuity appointment, like I said, he was the assistant manager at Berry with Ryan Lowe. He followed him to Plymouth. He then gets the main gig, and he's been fully back. By the board of the new, was it a five-year? 5, year, five it must have been a five-year deal at the time. Who'd give a five-year contract <laughs> for a manager in League One? Eh? A Alex Lambert got left to go. Is it another eighteen months? A couple of years. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> um, so yeah, a, a deal till two thousand and twenty-seven that he signed. So they've gone for that, you know, that continuity, and it's 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 you know, reaping rewards for them, isn't it? Paying dividends.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's difficult one from the outside because obviously we don't watch um, too much of Plymouth and and. We had a good chat with Gab, didn't we, about Darren Moore, Um, Mm. and it was really interesting to hear from Sam Parkin as well. Obviously, that interview with Ben um, down our channel, um, which has got really great feedback. Um, So thank you, everyone, who's watched that and given some kind words to that um, so far. But Parkin, kind of from afar, sort of says, "Well, McKenna is, you know, the the three, the one you'd want." Um, And and uh, it's interesting. You don't hear a huge amount about Schumacher from outside of Plymouth. You you don't hear um, that tactically he he's done a masterstroke and won the game it just appears that he's he's figured out a strategy there or as you said there's a there's a there's a low slow establishment of a way of playing under low that he's just maintained and continued and doing great great work about it um but you don't you don't hear too much about him being he's linked with a few of the jobs isn't he in the championship i think um, when they became I think vacant. that was our
5: wishful thinking, wasn't it? In, <laughs> Maybe that, yeah. In November time during the World Cup break when a few Championship clubs lost their managers. I think in our Telegram group and sort of in our other WhatsApp groups and stuff, we were all kind of hopeful somebody might come in and pinch him and take a few of their lone players back at the same time. But, but yeah, like you say, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily get some of the... The headlines, the likes of McKenna might get, and Mark Bonner might get, and you know the guy at Charlton who came off from Swindon before it all went wrong. The kind of the lower league managers who are traditionally kind of mentioned in dispatches as being up and comers. I, I don't think he's in that kind of that, that that category in the media's eyes for whatever reason. He should be given you know the performances uh, the performances that Plymouth are churning out, but for whatever reason, I guess he's, he's maybe a bit of a backseat to those those kind of names.
3: Maybe, yeah, and he always speaks well when whenever mm-hmm. I hear from him as well. I remember doing an interview with Sky when they'd gone on that iffy run in November, December time, I think it was. And I think they were playing Morecambe at home and they won that game. But beforehand, he was quite, you know, phlegmatic about the situation and and calm. So mm. it's clear that whatever he's doing there is working well. But it is, a, it is a squad that's got quality, Seb as well, which obviously helps him. And McKenna's in a similar situation there, I'm sure, as well. But that quality has dwindled. And the risk, I guess, that a club like Plymouth take is without the big budgets like like us and Sheffield Wednesday and others in this division, you are heavily reliant on the low market. And the current trend appears to be to recall players in January, and that's worked against them, hasn't it?
5: It is, isn't it? Yeah. The the it seems to be now. There's no there's no such thing as a season long deal anymore, is it? It's deal till January and then renegotiate based on how the how it's gone for all parties concerned. So yeah, never fall in love with a lone player, as Benjamin Bloom has told us many, many times on this podcast. And Morgan Whitaker was their kind of, you know, their their star man. He's been recalled by Swansea rumours in the paper today that a clubs had a bid turned down for him. There was that, it was kind of on the cards, wasn't it? Because Russell Martin did a press conference and he said the owners described him as an asset. So it would suggest they wanted to cash in on him. So I guess the writing was on the wall a little bit and then he got recalled. He had a great, first half of the season you know nine goals seven assists in 25 appearances created seven big chances which is by far the most for, for Plymouth by a mile and you did some research in you and worked out in his, his his goal contributions his assists and his uh, his goals have, have, have resulted in 13 points for Plymouth one this season uh, from his contributions so you know remove those or even half and if you'd had an average loan spell and they probably wouldn't be seeing you know top of the pile at the moment so that shows how critical he's been for the first half of the season but he's gone I guess there is still a chance he could come back to them he can go back on loan if he doesn't get shifted elsewhere in the window i don't know if they've got the finances to to make a move for him given the other players they've brought in during january um but crucially and most importantly for us tomorrow we, uh, for for us on saturday so recording thursday night uh for us on saturday he can't feature which is a you know a, a fantastic boost for us because we saw at home park one chance on the end of the, bo- uh, the edge of the box on his left or his right foot and he's you know dynamite he's so clinical so that's a you know a massive boost for us and a massive blow for them
3: yeah, worth noting that that research that I did there was, and that, and that you quoted is where matches have been turned solely like, on him. Yeah, so his, you know, his goals he his got assists. He, he got the winner against us, but the game was won all at that point, and Mumford also scored. But where it's either his goals or his assists only that yeah. that that are the difference between yeah a draw or a defeat or so on. So yeah, a key a key impact player. You know, there's there's wins against Oxford and Cheltenham where he's the only goal scorer. And I know that's, that's not unique to Morgan Whitaker. We've obviously got, we've win games one nil as well, but when that player isn't your own player and when he's taken out the equation and and when he's on such a hot streak as well, it's, it is a challenge. And, And the recruit, go on, sorry.
5: Just one for you. Obviously, there's been some rumours and stuff, you know, saying that if we could do a deal for him, we would buy him. Is he one you would look to, to do if the deal could be done and the deal was right? Do you think he would? Is he, is he that good? You'd get it done, or do you think with the likes of Chaplin, Harness, Broadhead now he might kind of struggle to get a game? What what's your thoughts on him? Is he is, is he one that you would look to move for if, if it was available?
3: It's a it's a difficult one because as you say, I mean, the, our squad has got so much depth in that area, but. The question is: Is he better than what we have? And I and I suspect possibly he might be, but would you want to upset the squads mm. by bringing him in? I also don't think he'd want to join us. I think no, maybe if it gets yeah. to the the last day of the window and he's not lined up anywhere and he, and Plymouth is a is a no go, then maybe he'd consider it. I I imagine he'll end up sticking around at Swansea on the bench until someone from the Championship comes in. The risk then for us is that a championship club then loans it back to Plymouth don't they but I'm not it just feels like one of those ones and we talked about this before where if you can do it you do it for the sake of it rather than it being a necessary signing do you see what I mean
5: yeah sure I see what you mean I guess I've got one eye a little bit more on the future so I guess I'd be thinking is he one who if we get to where we want to go next season could kind of slot in because you're going to have a Luka, a year older question marks i guess around jackson and edwards in the championship so you're kind of looking at harness broadhead and chaplin making that natural step up and i'd kind of be thinking well if we you know if we could do the deal for a million 1.5 you might give yourself a bit of a selection headache for the next six months but if you do go up then you might have one more piece of the puzzle one piece of the jigsaw ready to go from the off so I, i think if it was on the table for Reasonable money without breaking the bank, then yeah, I think I'd look to get it done. There's very little
3: downside to it. Mm. The question is whether it has any unforeseen consequences on, yeah, on the, the, the dressing the room and, and all that yeah kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as disappointed as I'm sure Plymouth fans are, they haven't hung around. There's obviously a good succession mm-hmm. plan and recruitment strategy there. They clearly maybe got, I, I think, the, the general chat has been that Swansea weren't the most communicative about their yes. decision until they took the decision, which probably makes you fear for the worst anyway. Yeah. But they've been really quick to bring players, you know, if whilst we've been quite chipper with, with our transfer dealings, they've already brought in how many? Five people? Five and they had it quickly. They? I
5: think the first ones were announced almost on New Year's Day, weren't they? They yeah. had these deals clearly done. Ben Wayne, I think, was the first one who's come from Wellington in the Australian A-League, uh, 21-year-old New Zealand international. He's a striker, a centre-forward. 17 goals in 73 appearances for Wellington. I think he was announced very, very quickly. Uh, Callum Wright came in from Blackpool roughly a week ago. I think that was, again, of a good age, 22 years old. Came through the ranks at Leicester, had loan spells at Cheltenham and played for uh, for for Blackpool 10 appearances for Blackpool uh, having joined them last deadline day in the summer That's so weird, far for the first it? half yeah, yeah. strange he one you joined
3: on the last day of like the, mm. se- the September window and within three or four months he's he's off to Plymouth. It's a strange one that one but
5: Anil Alexander of the modern era, the modern the, of the modern day. There you go. Um and then the one that kind of excites me, I think is a great player is Tyreek Wright. He's kind of a pacey right slash left forward in either a four three three or a four two three one. he's signed on permanent it's quite a good deal a permanent deal from Villa he spent the first half of the season on loan at Bradford where he got four goals and two assists he's a Republic of Ireland under twenty one international so maybe a decent bit of pedigree come through a Premier League academy I I guess looking at him, he's probably the most direct replacement attempt for Whitaker, given where he plays and given the style of football that he plays.
3: Yeah, Pacey Winger as well. And yeah. I talk about the stats. They do they do have high amount of dribble attacks. Um, so that makes sense. He can play either side as well. So yeah, no surprises there. And um I I I'll, I'll need to I've missed out the opportunity to check in with my brother in law because he had a loan spell at Cole U um before going to Bradford. But um yeah, high pedigree, I guess. You know, along with Saxon early, the other signing um, from Norwich, who whose only minutes and appearances have been in his most recent league um, loan spell at Stevenage. These are prospect signings, yeah. as opposed to sure things, right? I mean, we'll talk about I think so. Yeah. Jamie yeah. in a second. Even he hasn't got masses and masses of league experience, but players in theory who have who are you know development options, and hopefully we'll make contributions, but perhaps are an aggregate of what you get from one Morgan Whittaker. Is do you think that's fair
5: yeah I, I agree with that they're all signings I think with one eye on the on the future a little bit obviously they need to replicate what, what Whitaker was given them if you're not going to get that from one player bringing in one player then you kind of spread it across two or three I guess the one thing to note as well Saxon Early's one you just mentioned who was at Stevenage for the first half of the season Jay Matete we know all about from that battle between that ding dong between him and Morsey in the Fleetwood game last season a lot of these players they've signed have got very little kind of Football league experience or if they have got experience it tends to be sort of league two um kind of level so it's it, it might be a bit of a big ask to expect all these guys to step up for the remaining four or five months of the season so they might be looking for you know one week wayne might make a you know an impact next week it might be tyreek Wright, and they're just trying to share that burden to fill the hole that Whitaker's left them amongst two or th- amongst four or five signings i guess
3: and and that goes back to my question right at the top, which is: Is this a good time good to play time, them? Yeah. The, the some of these players need time to gel, don't they? And you know, I think Matete played midweek in the Pizza Cup. I'm I'd probably be surprised if he's starts but he is quality you know that he's got the pedigree from league one level admittedly only made 27 appearances for Fleetwood which was uh, maybe a lower number than I thought a couple of starts I think you said for for Sunderland but mostly off the bench eight eight appearances in total so mostly off the bench there so it's not like he's at full tilt yet as well so timing might work in our favour there Um, but potentially you know Plymouth if Schumacher and their recruitment team know their stuff like maybe we need to give them credit for then you know these could be big players come the end of the season let's talk about the way they they play there in the formation and, and key players to look out for obviously, obviously named a load of signings there that but yeah. probably not all of maybe those names will be peripheral on Saturday so yeah who's the who the key men for you Seb and, and yeah so the, Darla, the formation, uh, formation.
5: A, yeah. yeah formation will be a three at the back system of three four two one so if you think what we played for the second half of last season when we had like Selena and Chaplin as two tens behind either Bon or Norwood it's very much that kind of a of a formation the striking options have been rotated Niall Ennis and Ryan Hardy are the two top scorers with eight each Ennis is kind of having his goal his, his uh, game time kind of managed a little bit he's got a, 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 a hip and a pelvis injury issue, which they're kind of trying to manage. So he's kind of had his game time managed a little bit. So as a result, Sam Cosgrove started against Bolton last week. He's got six goals from seven starts. I remember him coming on in the game at Home Park back in October. And I remember him changing the game a little bit. He's a big old unit, isn't he? He's a big old, a big old fashioned kind of centre forward. I remember him coming on and I think, Edmondson in particular maybe struggles to deal with him a little bit so he did start last weekend against Bolton Hardy started in the uh, the pizza cup in midweek and Cosgrove was the lone striker against Bolton so it might well be that he starts again at the back they obviously got Ballymumba, who scored the equalizing goal against us with that right-footed shot from the just inside the D I think it was from um, uh, after a, I think it was a corner a set piece that wasn't cleared great he's got four goals and four assists I kind of got excited I don't know if you did as well I thought when they signed Saxon early I thought oh brilliant and Nor- Norwich left back has been recalled to be sold to Plymouth. Therefore, Norwich must be recalling their left back on loan at Plymouth. But for whatever reason, it's not materialized, has it? He's just he's just joined in addition to Mumba. Mumba can play on either side as well. He can play on the right-hand side, full-back role, which he might well do at the weekend with Joe Edwards being suspended. Uh, he's also won two penalties this season. So, you know, he's tricky in the box. Hell of a shot from the outside the area like we've seen before. So he's one they're going to have to keep an eye on. And then Michael Cooper is a player who you and me have discussed before. We really, really like him, don't we? He's an excellent, excellent goalkeeper. Is it fair to say he's the best keeper in this league? I know we have a certain Christian Walton, but given his age, is Cooper maybe slightly ahead of him, do you think?
3: And on, and on form as well. I think we, we have debated as much as we love Christian Walton. Yeah. There have been a few moments, haven't they? And... and I think in terms of goals prevented, I think Cooper far out, outperforms uh, Walton right now as well. Yeah, Far um, exceeds in terms of it, the quality of chances he faces, he makes more saves than you'd expect from the quality of the chance, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah and I, I guess my theory on, on Michael Cooper though, and I'm always a little bit sus of this because I remember when we used to give Bartosz Biakowski player of the season and player of the month and say that he was player of the match every week. When you, when your goalkeeper is the highest performing player in your team, certainly now Whittaker's left, that raises questions for me. Does it raise questions for you? Yeah,
5: yeah, exactly. Your goalkeeper looks good because he's very busy. And traditionally, if you're very busy goalkeeper, your team's not doing great, as we saw for all those years with uh, with, with Bart in the nets. Here's one for you: Would you, if would you swap him for Walton now if if, if you could? I wouldn't personally. I'd keep Walton no. because, yeah, I I okay. We're both in agreement on that one. Then
3: I'd sign him and stick him on the bench. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he's. I mean, the 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 awards and accolades are, are mounting up, aren't they? He was they young player of the year in twenty twenty one, and 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 came second in the senior vote. Then won player of the season last year at Plymouth won the gold the the league one golden glove jointly with David Stockdale for eighteen clean sheets. Was in the PFA. League One Team of the Year. I'm surprised there's not stronger links for him in the January window to someone else. I know people are chatting about Villa maybe needing a backup to Martinez. Uh, you know, he he would be a big loss to them, maybe a bigger loss yes. than Whitaker perhaps. Wait,
5: wait well given the stats that yeah that we've seen about the shots he saves versus the shots he's meant to save then absolutely and he's got this crazy statistic of he saves 79.3 percent of all his shots faced which is crazy by comparison walton on the list has 63.1 percent so he saves 63.1 percent of all shots he faces so cooper is a hell of a way in the league in the league about that's, that's just an insane stat isn't it? he's absolutely vital to them i think you're right if he were to leave that's a bigger loss than losing than losing which i don't think he will go this this window but if they if they were to finish third, losing the playoffs, I think he'd be off the championship next summer.
3: And Dan Scar at the back is also, is up for player of the month. So they've got Stephen Schumacher up for manager of the month. Um, yeah. We'll find out after we record whether they're successful. Dan Scar as well. James Wilson, a name that we know as well. He'll yeah. be standing captain. It's a solid back line, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it's a back three. So yeah, Scar and Wilson with the two certainties and it'll either be Nigel Lonwick or it'll be Gillespie as the left-sided kind of centre.
3: Gillespie played against Bristol Rovers in the Pizza Cup. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I wonder whether that might be, maybe he's getting back because he's coming back from injury, I think, isn't he? He's kind of yeah. setbacks. Um, and then in, in terms of the, the key players in the centre, we mentioned that Edwards is suspended um, and Adam Randall kind of le- leaps out as kind of the key performer in the, in the centre of the park, isn't he?
5: I really like him as a player. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Adam Randall. He's still young. He's kind of the, if you look at his heat map. He's the box-to-box option kind of for them. He sort of, you know, he's great work. Starts near his own box and finishes just just before the uh, the attacker's box. He's uh, He averages 1.2 interceptions per game, two goals, four assists so far this season. Created 34 chances for them so, so far with four big chances, which is the 11 highest in League One for comparison, Leif Davis is the second highest with 61 chances created and seven big chances. So, he's, uh, yeah, he's their main creative threat. And there was some stuff going around our Telegram group. Jack Saunders put it in there, and there was stuff on the internet as well. That of their three most creative players are Morgan Whittaker, who's gone, Joe Edwards, who is suspended, and Adam Randall. So I guess there's a lot of kind of hope for, from the Plymouth fans and the Plymouth team for him on the, uh, on the weekend to, to, to look to create something because other players won't be available.
3: Should we go through some of the stats, try and find some rays of light? Some-
5: but, but we had this last... I, I remember this last time before the March game, and we were sat there because, you know, we were we were doing very well since McKenna had come in, but, you know, we were making them sound incredible, and, and, and the stats were brilliant, and we completely nullified them. So, you know, whilst these stats are going to sound impressive and stuff, if you go back six months, it's kind of the same sort of thing. You know, we were facing an informed, very good side with some... Superb records and some superb statistics, and I thought it was pretty comfortable back in March. So
3: yeah, I don't, guess don't
5: we, let the stats, so uh, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean we are we are here to faith. here to inform you so that you can sound really smart when you're stood at Portman Road on Saturday <laughs> and next to your mates. And oh yeah, oh it's uh, he's what's what was your stat about Michael Cooper? He's seventy nine point three percent save rate. He's uh, he's top quality.
5: I've heard that uh, voice you put on somewhere else tonight.
3: I can't think where it is. Yeah, I think he did an audio uh, a voice. I can't, that's that's one for the Blue Monday WhatsApp yeah. group, only that one. So all we're trying to do is give you guys the the inside track, the, yeah. the, the insights here. It, it doesn't by any means suggest that we don't think Ipswich are going to turn up. Because having listened to Kieran McKenna's pre-match today and this, the recruitment, we'll talk about us more in a second anyway. We shouldn't fear anyone at Portman Road, Sheffield Wednesday or Plymouth. It's just about being prepared, isn't it? And trying to find... These these bits that give us confidence that we might be able to, you know, a, a draw is probably the most likely outcome, right? But there, no, shaking his head.
5: Tating to your Jonah Hill.
3: Yeah, well, yeah. I guess generally my ex- experience is in big games where, it, to uh, the immovable object against the unstoppable force, <laughs> they generally cancel each other out. But I think there are things here that give us confidence that statistically we can we can get that that three points. I mean, goals away from home high it's the second highest in the league 1.8 goals per game away from home uh, behind us some key stats though that maybe give a, a sense of the way they play and perhaps outperform maybe some of the statistical the underlying stats so 73 shots in total this season away from home is the second highest in in league one ITSC actually have the highest amount of away shots but Those shots make up 45% of the total shots they've had in their away games, whereas ours is only 35%. So a large proportion of their efforts on goal coming from outside the area. We've already talked about the two goals that we conceded at home park. So that is telling there. If you can figure out a way to stop them getting their shots off around the 18-yard box, you've got a chance. And the XG stats, Seb, also bear that out. 1.65 XG per game overall is the sixth best in League One so nothing amazing and away for a moment, it's 1.4 goals per game XG which is the ninth best so the quality of the chances perhaps telling that they're mostly from the edge of the area aren't going to have high XG now they're, they're outperforming because they keep scoring these goals don't <laughs> they but the majority yeah. of those goals are from Whitaker, aren't they so hope there I mean this is one that you found they've not scored any set piece goals Away from home so far this season, they've conceded two of them. Um, and another key stat: they're, they're second for away penalties. They've got three goals from penalties away from home. That's the joint second highest. So don't concede penalties. Don't concede shots from around the area, Seb. And um, it's,
5: that, it's that straightforward. Is, is it fair to say, when you when you when given what we've spoken about Plymouth and all the stats and stuff you've just listed, are they a side that overachieves in the final third? And is backed up by some superb work in their own box from their own keeper. Is, is that? Do you think that's too simplistic as a way to describe, you know, Plymouth's success so far this season? Massively overachieve at one end of the pitch and massively overachieve with their keeper in their own box, or is that too simplistic? Do you think?
3: So I, I think it comes down to the quality of the players. I think there's there's something in that. The issue you've got, and this kind of chimes with the general perception of Plymouth overall. I think is if you continue to do it these stats it's aren't not anomalies okay, you, yeah. you can draw a conclusion obviously from the numbers and that's what i've done in a way that maybe is a bit blue tinted spectacles but if it becomes the statistical norm that you keep doing this then it appears to me that it's it's a plan or it's a strategy i think the time will tell on whitaker though i think whitaker is such a big statistical outlier for them such a key contributor of goals from outside the area that have changed games that it will be interesting to see how they are adapt without him so that's probably the key thing for me again it comes back to the timing thing that we talked about i think cooper is is excellent you know Pe- teams have got good players haven't they teams have yeah. got great yeah. players and sometimes the, it's it's the sum of the parts sometimes it's it's out It's people outperforming where they should yeah. be that drags teams along and it's difficult to say that, but they are continually doing the same things, which makes me think it's, mm. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's not, not an necessarily it's not. outperformance. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, fair
5: enough. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's fair enough.
3: But in terms of, in terms of everything else, obviously the XG is a big stuff that we've been talking about, in the telegram group, you know, the high number of interceptions per game, 11 on average for, for away game is pretty decent. Um, got quite a lot of away red cards as well. Mm. Um, but what, again, the stat that you picked out, Seb here, 14, just over 14 shots conceded per every, per away game. So fifteenth worst. So they, they do give away
5: which explains you know. Cooper's excellent, you know, save rates and his over, over kind of performance. So they yeah, there will be opportunities for us on the weekend. It's just crucial we we are able to take them. They're not a side that will let, let's be honest, we're not expecting a Lincoln or a Cheltenham or a Morecambe kind of game, are we? This is going to be two sides I think. I think they'll come to play football, they'll come to attack us because it's what they naturally know. And I think that will will, will naturally kind of, you know, lead to chances for us.
3: That being said uh, possession isn't particularly high 52.8% on average uh, overall 50% away from home is the eighth eighth highest in the one. So not, not, you know, not table topping stats on possession wise. 77% of their passes are short. So yeah, possession based style, as you say, but 69.7% pass completion rate isn't amazing. 10th best, a lot of dribbles, not surprising. Um, but yeah, I guess how you, how they stack against the, the rest of the top three, including Ipswich, ultimately they've got the lowest points per game away from home compared to us and Sheffield Wednesday. We've all lost three games away from home, um, but we've won seven as of Sheffield Wednesday. So Plymouth kind of a little bit of lagging, a tiny bit behind away from home. A plus four goal difference away from home isn't amazing. Um, they've conceded one more goal than we have away from home, but I think ours is largely skewed by charlton, isn't charlton. It? yeah so you know I, I think there are some things there that give us some confidence that you know this isn't gonna this isn't the best team on every single metric that you can find there is some hope to be had here and let's talk about us shall we and um you know i think the question really is dehurst it, it, and broadhead start. what's your thoughts
5: I I don't think Hurst will I think Ladapo after his performance against Rotherham deserves that that striker role personally I thought his hold up play was brilliant he scored a really really good goal so I fully expect him to start Broadhead is the one I could see starting on the left hand side of the 3 with kind of you know Chaplin in the 10 and Burns on the right I guess if you don't play Broadhead you play Harness but he's just back from an injury, didn't look amazing against Portsmouth. So is he one maybe you look to kind of rest and maybe throw Broadhead straight in there? That's that, that's. I wouldn't be surprised if he were to start, but I would be surprised if Hurst were to start. What what do you think he'll do?
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It, I guess it depends on um, how they've trained this week, haven't they? And hmm. the only thing is, I'd say, is, is we've obviously got an established way of playing. We've got players who are familiar with that system as well. Harness, I think, came off the bench didn't against Rotherham. Yep. I I'd be tempted to not change it too much. and note that we can go back to this strategy of on sixty minutes, the scaring the start. crap out of the opposition yeah. by having George Harris <laughs> and Nathan Roided on the sideline wait to come on. Yeah. Um. So I I'd be maybe hesitant to make too many changes. So would you go um,
5: harness Chaplin Burns?
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I try and keep it. And you
5: do you agree that Zappo is the striker?
3: Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I only because I I think he's it's his shirt. Maybe that's the strategy we need to deploy, the the kind of Lambert approach that you've got the shirt. Plus, I think I'd really like to see what Ledapo can do when he's inspired by the competition alongside him because I don't think Jackson's been particularly fierce competition in the number nine shirt. Obviously, no Tyrese John Jules either. So I wonder whether better quality pressurizing him to perform even better, because he's still been pretty decent for us, might even bring more out of him what's your thoughts yeah on
5: that? yeah totally agree I guess I guess he would have known last Saturday because George Hurst was there having his photographs taken so he must have got an inkling that he was around and obviously the rumours that the, the deal was going to get done and he turned in a superb performance didn't he against against Rotherham you know he got the uh, won the penalty scored the third goal his general hold-up play I thought was really really good so like you say I think he deserves the shirt I think he'll get the start and what a great position we can now go back to how we were in kind of you know summertime August September time where we were bringing on the likes of you know the game changes rather than you know the last few weeks we've had Jackson who i think we all would say now maybe isn't a central striker you know for me his best work is going to be out wide left or wide ro- or wide right had me has been unfortunate with injury and illness but he's kind of looked a little bit off it and a little bit kind of you know not up to the level when he's come off the bench so i think now like you said if he gets to 65 minutes and it's nil-nil and we can suddenly turn to the bench and you're seeing George Hurst get stripped off and Broadhead get stripped off and Shawnee Aluko get stripped off, then yeah, we're back Can't to how we finish. were with those kind of players looking to looking to really come on and finish those games and it must strike fear of the opposition, mustn't it?
3: Hopefully so. Dare I ask for a prediction, step.
5: I'm confident. You know I'm always confident. I think it's going to be 3-1 to us. Wow. With a goal scored buy one of the new signings.
3: That's what I think will happen. From the penalty spot, that would be good, wouldn't it, eh? <laughs> Um, I will go for a... Oh, do you know what? I'm tempted to not to, to stay I, no, I, I think got to, You've got
5: to give you... I think
3: we've got enough to get a result. I, I think 1-0. I think it'll be a narrow... Nervy. Nervy. Yeah. Early goal, think...
5: late goal, hanging on, comfortable.
3: Yeah, do I you see a, a repeat
5: of last March
3: or...? I like to think... If we scored early, that your prediction, your score prediction is is achievable, because uh, I, I think Plymouth must know that if they come to Portman Road and concede first without the likes of Whitaker, then it might be a bit of an uphill thing. I'd be if I'm Plymouth, I'm going for a nil nil time and then I'm seeing where I go from there. So we'll see if it's nil nil halftime it could be quite a marginal game. So we'll see, but I, I'm confident we've got the ability in and, and what we need to say as well is we are going to do this in the plugs, but I do it now. We need to turn up. I know that yes. we're going to turn up anyway, because we've all bought tickets and Se- seven seats
5: left. They've tweeted tonight.
3: It's basically a sellout, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but we really need to bring the best of ourselves yeah. to this game in terms of atmosphere. We need to be patient um, yep. we need if it's to not going speak. our way,
5: that yeah, yeah, we don't want the Suffolk sigh. If, yep. if things if things are a bit slow to start with, if it's two teams kind of feeling each other out a little bit, and there's not a great deal of action like the Peterborough game, if if nothing much happens for the first kind of 10-15 minutes, let's just make sure that we keep that noise going. You know, the blue action guys, I'm sure, will be doing great work in the in the North Stand, and even you know where I sit in the cobalt and stuff, it's up to everybody to make as much noise as possible, make it a bit of a cauldron, a bit of a horrible kind of atmosphere for Plymouth, and. Um, and and, and, and yeah, we have to, we, we are as important as the you know as the players of the weekend to make sure we can make it into a really really memorable occasion. And our yeah. players will feed off that as well. You know, yeah. if, if if they're you know hopefully shooting towards the north stand in the second half, that atmosphere and that you know the cheers and stuff that will fire our player players up as well. So yeah, let's make it a good one.
3: And, and Mikey's message resonates for me from the end of last year. We need to embrace these moments. I think you know as Seb has mentioned. We we put this information out there, not to scare you guys or to worry you guys, but to inform you, but we know that we've got a quality team with a quality manager. We know that we've got 29,000, well, 28,000, isn't it? With Plymouth fans taking up a good chunk of the number as well. If we are optimistic, if we are positive, you know, we can achieve stuff. So it's, it's partly on our mindset. If you, if you are glass half empty, like I've tried, I may have been guilty of being in the last few years their negativity breeds negativity doesn't it so yeah. maybe we, maybe this is the start of a run of home performances where the the support is fully behind the team 100% not 99% 100%
5: and like we said at the start of the podcast, biggest game since Norwich, that's going back eight years now, nearly sort of seven yeah. and a half, eight years. So enjoy these yourself. occasions do not come around very often. And this is what you go to football for. You know, I've got mates who support Liverpool and Man City and Man United. And, you know, they, they experience Champions League semi-finals under the Knights. It's kind of routine for them. We don't get this very often. So for God's sake, enjoy it. We had so many years of, you know, Lambert ball and you know, mediocre performances and stuff. This is what we go to football for, you know, for these big games, for the big atmospheres, for the noise, the crowd, the passion. So, yeah, get behind the boys and enjoy it as an occasion and hopefully as a spectacle. I think it'll be a really good game. I think it'll be a really good advert for the league, personally.
3: Hope so, hope so. In terms of bits and pieces of of, of information for the podcast, obviously we are. Um, this show is brought to you in partnership with the Greyhound. We'll be getting there early doors, won't we? Said so because it yeah. feels like it's going to get packed pretty quickly. Yep. I think the guys from the Southwest Supporters Branch are coming up, guys from Fortuna Dusseldorf over as well. So do get there early. That'll be a great buzz in the in the Greyhound car park. Um, come Saturday afternoon. We've mentioned the interview with Sam Parkin. Um, Thanks again for everyone who's given positive thoughts on that one. I really enjoyed him being honest, but giving his insights on the the current team and the trajectory for the rest of the season, his predictions there. Um, Telegram, it will be a buzz as well around the game, so do get involved in that free for a couple of weeks and then a subscription thereafter. We've got merch store discount from free shipping starts on Sunday. Um, But We will be back Sunday evening to talk all about Plymouth, hopefully in positive terms, Um, 8 p.m. Do join us for that. Get involved in the discussion. Um, And hopefully, as we say, we look back on with positivity. And yeah, if you're listening, if you're traveling down, let us know that you're there. Give us a tweet. Give us a a review. um, Give us a comment. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Let us know you're there. We always appreciate the interaction on this show. Um, And thank you if you made it this far. Thank you to Gab. Thanks to Charlie. Um, And we wish ITFC women all the best as well. Their season resumes away at Portsmouth on Sunday. If you're interested in going to that game and want um, information on away travels, I can recommend um, speaking to the official supporters club at ITFC WOSC for more information about um, getting to ITFC women away games. And we'll be talking with Kieran Stanley ahead of um, their cup match against Lewis in a few weeks time as well. Um, But from me and everyone, well, from me, I should say, um, thank you everyone for listening. Let's bring the noise. Let's bring the positivity um, and bring your scarves and all that kind of stuff as well. And as always, Seb, I'll let you have the final word. Thank you for all your hard work and research. Over to you, mate.
5: Enjoy it, everybody. This is what we go to football for. Like you just said, make the noise, make it horrible. Here's to three points. And as always, come on, you blues.